This is the Real Young Mom Podcast. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Real Young Mom Podcast. This is your host, Ellie, and this is where we get down on all things young parenthood. This week's episode is me celebrating one year of motherhood, breastfeeding, and baby cash. He turns one tomorrow, you guys. Monday, he will be a year old, finally. And it honestly is so surreal, and I cannot believe that we've already done one year. It's just so crazy. And what's even crazier is that I'm recording this right now at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, even though I'm supposed to publish the podcast today. And that's because this week I was so tired and I was going to record on Thursday night. And honestly, I was so emotionally and physically exhausted that I just couldn't hold space to do this. And so I recorded last night. And this is how much of a perfectionist I am, you guys. I recorded this entire episode last night. It took me like an hour and a half. And about five minutes ago, I was halfway through editing it. And I realized that I sounded so tired and depressed that it was not something that I wanted to produce for you guys because it just sounds like I'm sad for some reason. And you know what? To be completely honest, I think I was just again, really, really tired. And I wasn't sad per se, but you could just tell like my demeanor was just defeated and gloomy. And you know what? I wasn't here for it. So now I'm recording it again so that you guys can have a more happy and upbeat me. Today, I'm just going to hop right into the episode. But before I do, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of what we are talking about today. So I'm chatting some challenges that we faced in Cash's first year, mainly in the first couple of months, because once we get to about seven months is when a lot of what Cash was doing was very physical, crawling, scooting, walking, etc, etc. And even though that is the most exciting part for me, I want people who face the same challenges to know that they are not alone. So if there's anything in this episode that you experienced that you thought nobody else had experienced, please leave a comment or leave a review or hit me in my DMs on Instagram so that we can chat about it. Aside from talking about Baby Cash's development this first year, we are going to talk about mom struggles and mom victories that I had since this is my first year of motherhood ever. And we're also briefly going to touch on my breastfeeding journey, things that I dealt with during breastfeeding, um, how it was really discouraging at first, and somehow we have made it to a year, which is just absolutely amazing. And I also wanted to let you guys know that next week on Sunday, I will not be publishing an episode. I'm going to be taking a break because it is Cash's birthday week. Yes, I celebrate a birthday week. Every day is special up until his actual birthday party to me. Today is technically his birthday eve in my eyes, so um, it's going to be a little bit crazy for us this week. I'm getting my hair done, I'm organizing his party, we're going to the strawberry festival tomorrow, 
just a jam-packed week and I want to give you guys my 100% and I know I'm not going to be able to do that with everything else that I have going on. So we will be back the week after next. In last week's episode where I talk about my birth story, if you heard it, you would know that I gave birth in a birth center, not a hospital. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it because it is a great conversation with me and Braylee and our birth stories are very, very different. Anyway, like I said, I gave birth in a birth center. So when you give birth in a birth center, instead of at the hospital where they keep you for a few days, they actually send you home within five hours of giving birth. So they kind of just (laughs) send you off with this human and hope to God that you know what you're doing. They do have you record your baby's vitals every hour on the hour, and then you have to come back to the birth center. Um, I think it's like two or three days after your birth just to check in and make the ba- make sure that the baby is okay and that you're okay. So that first morning that we came home was, I think it was seven o'clock in the morning when we left. And I just remember telling Lauren to drive as slow as possible because Cash didn't even fill out the car seat. So I was just scared that Lauren was going to change lanes or like make a turn and the baby was just going to go flying in the car seat. But He was just so fragile and tiny, and I was, like, so terrified um, to be in the car with him, which is just so funny to me looking back on it now. But I remember before we left, the nurse told us that as soon as we got home to put him to sleep and for us to go to sleep because it would be the longest stretch of uninterrupted sleep that we would get for years to come. So we came home, and we put him in the bassinet and knocked out for, like, six hours, We were asleep for the longest time that we have slept uninterrupted this entire year. And what ended up waking us up from this beautiful stretch of sleep was hearing the baby like coughing and almost choking. So I kind of freaked out and got up. And when I looked in the bassinet next to his head was this freaking alien glob of like black mucusy stuff. And I started freaking out right away. Like first mom freak out ever. I called the midwives and I'm like, what is this? Like he just threw something up and it's gross and black. And they're like, yeah, that's normal. It's probably just like more amniotic fluid or whatever. And I'm like, this is what I'm in for. Like (laughs) it's only just begun. And I also remember waking up every like 15 minutes just to even check if he was still breathing. And I did that for a good couple of months, actually. Like I was always like, is he breathing? Is he breathing? Just that like fear that something good is going to get snatched away from you somehow. That's always lingering in the back of your mind, which we'll get into when we talk about my mom's struggles because imposter syndrome is a big one and that anxiety is a big one too. So of course, everybody tells you sleep as much as you can now because you're not going to be able to sleep after the baby's here. And First of all, that doesn't even make any sense because like rollover sleep is not a thing. It's not like rollover minutes. Do you guys remember rollover minutes from Singular or AT&T when they were Singular? They used to have a specific number of minutes that you would use for the month. And then if you didn't use them, they would roll over to the next month. That doesn't work with sleep. It's not like, oh, let me get 12 hours today so that it'll roll over to tomorrow when I only get four. doesn't make sense. Doesn't work. Everybody that says that is a liar. On the second day that we had Cash home, he had a pediatrician's appointment on the third day. So it was at 8 a.m. and that night we went to sleep. And again, this is when I still had the bassinet next to my bed. 
before I decided to start uh, bed sharing. What I didn't realize at the time, and now looking back, I would have paid more attention to was that he just wanted to be held and he just wanted to be at the breast a lot. I just didn't understand that because there's so much fear mongering around attachment parenting and I, I just, I hadn't found my own voice in parenting yet. So every time I put him down in the bassinet, he would start screaming. It didn't matter if I had just gotten him back to sleep, he would wake up and he would start screaming. And this went on all night long, the entire night. And Lauren and I were just delirious from no sleep. And we had this doctor's appointment at eight in the morning. So we hadn't slept at all. And I remember looking over at the clock at 7.30 and telling Lauren, oh my God, we have to be there in 30 minutes. Like we have not slept. So we get up, we get cash in the car, we get to the pediatrician's office. Obviously this is the week before Florida got locked down due to COVID. So we were waiting outside to be called into the pediatrician's office and Cash knocks out in the car seat. And Lauren and I are so tired, so just slap happy that we started laughing at nothing, like literally nothing and everything at the same time. We go into the pediatrician's office, they do the exam and they talk to us a little bit. And um, I think they knew (laughs) what was going on with us because they literally just asked us, hey, did you guys get any sleep last night? And we were like, no, no sleep. We've been up all night. And I remember calling my mom and begging her, please, mom, like you have to come to the house so that Lauren and I can go to sleep because we were exhausted. And so she ended up coming to the house so that Lauren and I could take a nap. And um, I will never forget that as long as I live. Because when people tell me, you know, oh God, I'm so tired. I'm like, oh my God. I don't think you know <laughs> what tired is unless you've, you have a baby that's been up for literally the entire night and you're absolutely delirious in the morning. So that was like a really fun time <laughs> for us. Um, so when we went back to the midwives, I think it was the day after the pediatrician's appointment, we went back to the midwives to do our vital checkup basically and do um, his heel prick which is to test for, I think it's like metabolic diseases or or something like that. And when Cash was born, he didn't latch at all while we were at the birth center. I was having a really hard time getting him to latch and stay latched and latch in a way that wasn't painful so that he could eat. So I voiced my concern to the midwife at our appointment that it was really, really painful. And I wasn't sure if he was getting enough because it seemed like he was always hungry. And she suggested that it may be a tongue and a lip tie, which I had never heard of. Um, And we'll talk more about that when when I talk about um, my breastfeeding journey. We did come to the conclusion that he did have a tongue and a lip tie, which was a really big challenge for us in those first couple of months because it made breastfeeding really hard. So for the first month until we got an appointment to the pediatric dentist to get his tongue and his lip tie revised, I was feeding him with a syringe. So I would pump and then fill up a five mil syringe and feed him that way, which was really disheartening and really um, a sad time when I look back on it because I felt like I was missing this connection with him that I was so excited to experience because I had been sit on breastfeeding since 
I found out I was pregnant. So that really sucked, but I also faced a bout of mastitis around the one month mark. But again, we'll talk more about that um, when I talk about breastfeeding. So around like four weeks, Cash developed colic really bad. And I think that that had to do with the antibiotics that I had to take um, due to the mastitis, honestly. But he would cry every single time we put him down. He had to be held. And looking back now, of course, I should have just held him more, you know, instead of giving into the pressure of keeping the house clean and that my baby should soothe himself. Um, I should have just held him more. I should have just had him at the breast more. And I didn't because I didn't know. So he was really, really colic um, around four weeks. And that was a really big stressor on all of us because we just didn't know how to get him to stop crying. We tried everything. We tried gas drops. We tried, um, you know, natural gas relief, gripe water, all that stuff, bicycling his legs. There's this product by Frida Mom called the Windy or Frida Baby called the Windy. And it's literally this thing that you stick in their butt to help them relieve trapped gas, which I did more research on and then found out that it wasn't like the best thing to use. So you know how you go down that rabbit hole of research as a parent. The colic was just easily one of the harder things that we dealt with in the newborn stage. But something even harder than that, believe it or not, was when we got Cash's tongue tie revised. So we went into lockdown here in Florida a week after we came home. So it was really weird because we weren't planning on leaving the house really at all because we had a newborn. But when we were told about the lip and the tongue tie and we reached out to the dentist, Technically, I believe it wasn't considered a like necessary procedure or something like that. And the next appointment out wasn't going to be for a couple of months or until we came out of lockdown when we called them, um, which is a little bit ridiculous because he really wasn't eating due to the lip and the tongue tie. So he could have been failure to thrive at any time, which looking back on it, it really should have been considered a necessary procedure but nevertheless our appointment was set for like three or four months after he was born and Lauren and I were in the garage one day and I get the phone call from the dentist's office and they're like hey Dr. King had to come in for an emergent procedure do you want to just come in can you come right now and so I was like yes anything to you know get the relief of not wanting to cry every time I latch my baby on and not having to be worried about whether or not he's getting enough milk. So we rushed over there and it ended up being just a consult because we had to come up with the money for the procedure because the insurance doesn't cover it because it's not considered necessary, which again is ridiculous. Shout out healthcare in America. We went in and sat with the doctor and they told us that he had like a class four tongue tie a posterior tongue tie and a class three lip tie. If you guys don't know what a tongue tie or a lip tie is, so if you lift your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, that little piece of tissue that connects your tongue to the bottom of your mouth is called your frenulum. And you have the same thing that ties your lip to the top of your gums. Cash's frenulum was so short and so tight that his tongue couldn't reach the roof of his mouth which obviously led to a breastfeeding issue because in order to breastfeed correctly, 
your tongue has to make suction with the roof of your mouth to extract milk. And his top lip couldn't flip up because that was too tight as well. So he did indeed have a tongue and a lip tie. We made the appointment to come back and get the procedure done. I think it was like a week or so later. When I tell you guys, this is like such a traumatic thing to watch. I'm not even kidding. I have the video on my phone and it literally looked like we're torturing my son. So I had to hold him down on this little bed and the dentist had to numb his mouth so he sticks this huge needle in his mouth injects him with a numbing agent and then takes a literal laser we all had to put glasses on he takes a laser and he lasers off the frenulum on the top and the bottom so as if that isn't traumatizing enough when you go home Every four to six hours, you have to stretch the tongue back and stretch the lip back so that the frenulum doesn't grow again and cause you the same issues. We would have to wake him up in the middle of the night to stretch his tongue, which was horrific. And after a few weeks, we stopped doing it completely because I just couldn't do it to him anymore. It felt so horrible and like wrong, but we had to do it in order to get him to breastfeed properly and it's not even just about breastfeeding you guys um you can google it but tongue ties and lip ties can cause eating problems it can cause dental issues and we really just wanted to nip it in the bud for him so that it didn't cause any further issues down the line um and the procedure ended up going really well you have to nurse immediately afterwards to make sure that everything's okay and it was the first time since I had him that we latched and there was no pain and I could hear him swallowing the milk and I was just so ecstatic. And then we had a little bit of nipple aversion in the next couple of days, which was normal, but all in all, it went really, really well. So we were so happy to get that over with and get it revised so he could be a fed and happy baby. Around the same time, he started getting very refluxy. So I thought it was reflux. The doctor, the pediatrician, thought it was reflux and prescribed him a medicine. But I really think that the issue was the antibiotics from the mastitis and the tongue tie and just general colic. I really don't think it was serious reflux because all babies have reflux due to their immature digestive systems. So um, he just didn't like to be laid on his back at all, ever. And this is around the same time that we also started co-sleeping and bed sharing because he would wake up so many times due to the reflux or I would like hear him choking or gagging in his sleep and I would get so scared that I felt like I had no other choice and I needed to have him as close to me as possible. And my mom had been telling me since he was born, just sleep, just have him in the bed, just sleep with him in the bed. And there's so much fear mongering around bed sharing that I was just terrified to do that. Like I was scared that he would get rolled over by one of us and just suffocate and die in the night and I just couldn't bring myself to do it and I remember I reached out to a friend of mine who had a son that was about seven months old at the time and I asked her like hey did you guys ever co-sleep and she said yeah we 
bed shared for a little while, but we stopped. And it wasn't until the lactation consultant told me, like, just put him in the bed, just sleep with him in the bed, that I was finally like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to sleep with him in the bed. We never look back. We still bed share. He's going to be one tomorrow. We're still doing it. We're still breastfeeding and we're still bed sharing. And it was the best decision I could have ever made because every time he woke up, I, and still every time he wakes up, I just scoot him over to the boob. He feeds for like a minute and falls right back asleep. And if you know me well, you know that I am not a nice person when I'm tired or when I have a lack of sleep. So if I was having to wake up and walk clear across the house to his bedroom in the middle of the night to get him back to sleep for him to just, to just wake up four or five more times a night, I would be miserable. Him sleeping in his own room was not an option for me. And bed sharing has worked out great for us. Don't be scared to bed share, guys, especially if you're breastfeeding. It's honestly um, safer to bed share if you are breastfeeding. There's a Thomas McKenna article about that, and I will link it in the show notes. There's also a great episode on the Badass Breastfeeding Podcasts that talks about bed sharing and breastfeeding, which I'll also link in the show notes. Around the three-month mark, is when I really started trying to get like a routine down for us because prior to this he had no nap schedule he had no bedtime schedule it was just a free-for-all every day I finally started to realize that it was taking a toll on me and I needed to get us all on a schedule so that we weren't guesstimating when he should be sleeping and when he should be eating and when he should be doing tummy time and because this was the middle of the worst part of COVID, we never really left the house. So if I didn't get a routine down, I was literally going to lose my mind. So we started waking up in the morning, feeding him, doing tummy time, which by the way, he absolutely hated, hated tummy time. It did not matter what kind of toy we put in front of him. If I laid in front, nothing, no. Tummy time was a no-go until like five or six months. Around this time, I also started doing cloth diapering. Cloth diapering was an absolute game changer. Lauren was super grossed out by it in the beginning and he really didn't want to do it, but he finished like the last box of diapers that we had. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to go buy any more diapers. We're just going to do this. We're going to start cloth diapering. And we haven't bought diapers in damn near nine months and they work great. I have never looked back. If you guys want me to do an episode on cloth diapering, I would love to because I love talking about it and I love advocating for cloth diapering. It's great for the environment. It's great for your baby and they're so cute. They have like the cutest designs on them. Cloth diapering is great. So like I said, we were still in a lockdown here in Florida and um my grandfather had been in and out of the hospital for some months. He'd honestly been in and out of the hospital for a few years. His health was just never really great. And um, when Cash was four months old, I took him down to Kissimmee to see my grandfather for the first time. He was on hospice at home, so I took him to meet his great-grandfather and... Um, we got a picture of them together and it was a really sweet time and I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to get really emotional and I don't want this episode to take a sad turn but they did get to meet once 
and that's super special and important to me because it took me a really long time to process his death after he passed because I was just going through so much trying to keep another human alive and that was just a really nice thing and I will always cherish that moment because a week after they met for the first time is when my grandfather passed. That was the most eventful thing that happened when Cash was four months. Okay, let's shake that off. Just shake off the sad stuff. So that was actually a 45 minute drive. My grandparents live in Kissimmee. It was a 45 minute drive to get out there and Cash absolutely hated the car. Anytime I put him in the car seat, he would literally scream the entire way until we got there. And only like until he was like seven months is when it started to subside a little bit. But oh my God, like it was horrible, horrible, horrible. And I hated going anywhere. I had so much anxiety about taking him anywhere because of that. But thankfully, because um, we were in lockdown, I didn't really have anywhere to take him necessarily. I mean, he didn't even go to the grocery store for the first time until he was like six months old. So it was a really long time. And just parenting during this pandemic is so weird. Or being a first-time parent during a pandemic is just like, it's so different and just shitty but I don't want to make this episode about that so moving on that's pretty much the gist of the challenges that we faced in the first year because it kind of feels like everything after six months went fairly smoothly we didn't have any hiccups I don't think knock on wood hopefully no hiccups moving forward cash started walking full-time this last week so he's walking everywhere it's insane <laughs> because we used to be able to like set him on the bed and go shower and it, now he's literally everywhere and in everything which is awesome to have a healthy active child we're so blessed in that regard because not everybody has it as good as we do and it's so important to acknowledge that guys have gratitude for your healthy children it doesn't turn out that way for everyone and it's an important thing to remember. We're going to take a break from talking about baby Cash and talk a little bit about mama over here. So I'm going to get into my first year of motherhood and some of the struggles I had, some of the victories I felt that I had, and really just take a deep dive into what motherhood has been for me so far because it's always going to be changing for the next rest of my life. <laughs> I talked about this a little bit earlier and I want to get more in depth with the conversation about imposter syndrome because that is something that I have dealt with since the day my son was born. Just this constant nagging in the back of your head that you're not actually a good mom and everything that you're doing is just a facade or like an act. I'm always questioning myself and thinking about whether what I'm doing is genuine or authentic or not. And it's really shitty. I know I'm a good mom, but it always feels like my brain is trying to convince me otherwise. I briefly had postpartum anxiety for a couple of weeks after Cash was born, and it got really bad at night. When nighttime started coming around, I would start getting so anxious and just scared. I think it's because I knew I would have such trouble falling asleep. I was constantly looking to see if he was breathing or not. And 
every time I would shut my eyes to really fall asleep, my mind would just race and I just couldn't get myself to fall asleep and I was having immense anxiety. I remember one night falling asleep with cash on my chest. I remember waking up and shaking Lauren and going, where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Lauren sat up in bed, looked on the floor, looked on the bed. He was like, what are you talking about? And then ended up going back to sleep and I looked down and I realized the baby was on my chest. And that's just how anxious I was all the time about him being safe, I guess. So that actually ended up subsiding on its own after a few weeks, but I honestly cannot imagine and I empathize so much with women that suffer from postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression for a long duration of time. It can be a lifetime of that. And just that short couple of weeks that I went through were just so terrifying. So I wanna remind any moms out there that are suffering from PPA or PPD, please reach out to a healthcare professional or friend or family member and get the help that you need because you can feel better if you get the help. So please reach out to your healthcare professional, a friend or family member, or even reach out to me and we'll talk about your options and where to get the help you need. Aside from the anxiety and the imposter syndrome, another thing that I felt and I still feel is that pressure to snap back, that pressure to get back in your pre-baby body. And what women, I think, do not understand, or rather what women are not informed about, is that once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. It's not like six weeks after you have your baby and the doctor tells you it's okay to have sex, that your body has gone back to the way it was before you held a child. That is not the case. Once postpartum, always postpartum, you guys. So important to remember. Your body is probably not gonna look the way it did before, and that's okay. You housed a human, you made a life, and then you brought it to the world you know your body did an amazing thing and it's so incredible and it's so important to remember that it does not matter what anybody else thinks of your body it matters what you think of your body and i suffer from body dysmorphia so bad what i see in the mirror is not what others see and i'm really trying to do my own self-healing and work through that and If you're feeling that way, you should too, because nobody should be able to make you feel any type of way about your body. That is your home. That was your child's home. And we have to show our girls and our boys that they should love their bodies no matter what. That societal pressure is out there and it's looming over our heads all the time. And I just recently started working out again and eating healthy. I wanna tell you guys, the number on the scale has barely moved. I have lost like maybe 10 pounds since I had my son. And some women just don't drop weight while breastfeeding. Some, most women gain weight while breastfeeding. And um, I think that may be what my issue is. I actually got some blood work done recently and I have a doctor's appointment this week to check out my thyroid and other things. So that might be it. But it just might be that my body needs to hold on to that fat to make milk. I just don't know. It's what my body is telling me that it's not trying to lose weight right now. No matter how much I work out, no matter how much I eat healthy, it's just not happening. And it's time to come to terms with that. That pressure to snap back is prevalent the best you can be at any given time. If you know better, do better and fuck what anybody else has to say.
You know, it's so hard to figure out what kind of parent you want to be. And we're always figuring it out every single day. We wake up a different person and we just got to go with the flow. And that brings me to my victories this year, which one of the biggest ones was owning my voice as a parent and getting my footing and figuring out that, yeah, I want to be a gentle parent. I want to be an attached parent. I want to be an intuitive parent. And sometimes I'm not that. Sometimes I snap and sometimes I get mad. But the thing that I have felt most confident about in my parenting is apologizing. When I do something that doesn't feel right, I am so quick to tell Cash, hey buddy, I'm sorry. Mommy was mad. I shouldn't have reacted that way. It's not okay. Do you forgive me? Obviously, he can't tell me yes or no, but a lot of times he gives me a hug. And they know. Kids are so smart. If you do something wrong, just apologize. They're so forgiving. They love you so much. They're not going to stay mad at you forever. Um, But it's important to own it and keep getting better every single day and keep moving towards that parent that you want to be every single day. So I really just found my voice this year and figured out that the most important aspect of parenting for me is forgiveness. I also found my voice in being firm on my boundaries. So my parenting is quite different from the way my parents uh, raised me. And that has been such a big thing because now as a parent, I am having to tell my own parents no, which is such a weird dynamic (laughs) because my mom, shout out mom, I'm calling you in. My mom grew up in a culture where babies were like force fed. So (laughs) if the baby was telling you they weren't hungry, guess what? They were still hungry. Or if the baby was crying, the baby was hungry. If the baby fussed one time, the baby was hungry. And my mom is constantly telling me like, you need to feed him more. Like he hasn't eaten enough today, even though he ate like 15 minutes ago. Mom, you're so guilty of that. My child is fed. Chill out. Other boundaries are things like, I don't want him to have sugar. I don't want him to have a a high sodium intake. I don't let him watch TV, so on and so forth. And again, these are things that I'm firm on. You know, it's a non-negotiable and it has gotten so much easier for me to voice that in this last year and it makes me feel like I'm advocating for my son because I don't want him to have that shit. And that's just me. Like, I'm pretty crunchy. Everything we have is organic. I cloth diaper. You know, I really don't let him do screen time very often. That's just who I am. That's just how I parent. And I love being able to advocate for my son in that way because I just want him to have the best. You know what I mean? Just like every other parent out there. And I think the biggest victory that I had this year was getting back to me. So in these last couple of months... I, like I said, started working out again, started eating healthier, and I was so, so active before I got pregnant. I played volleyball, I coached volleyball, I worked at a gym. Every aspect of my life was 
pretty active. When I got pregnant, I got so sick that I couldn't really keep doing physical activity because I was so tired and so sick all the time. And everything was so busy this year that I never got back to it until these last couple months. And I started practicing more self-care and journaling. And I started this podcast, which was a complete 360 for me, which feels great because I'm doing something for me in sharing my story and getting it out there. And I'm really just finding someone new because I'm not the same, but I'm becoming me again, which feels so, so amazing. And this brings me to another amazing thing, which is that tomorrow marks one year of breastfeeding. I never thought I would make it to one year, to be honest. I remember for a time telling myself, just make it to six months, at least make it to six months, because there were so many obstacles to overcome with the tongue tie, with the syringe feeding, not latching, my bout of mastitis, which then caused an undersupply issue and an oversupply issue and the leaking and the scheduled feeding and all of the things that come with it. So like I said earlier, Cash got his tongue tie revised and I thought that that would be the end of it and that breastfeeding would just be easy forever from then on out. And that was not the case. The day after his tongue tie revision, I tried to latch him and every time I put him to the breast, he would scream. He would scream and thrash and cry. And I called the lactation consultant and she told me to just try giving him a bottle instead. And he did indeed take the bottle. Then I started having this fear that he was never going to want to breastfeed again. He was only going to want to take the bottle. But sure enough, after a few days, he started latching again. And the latch wasn't as painful, but it was always hard to get a good latch because his muscles were accustomed to being tied. And so he didn't have that strength to suck properly. So we ended up taking him to a speech pathologist who gave us exercises to do to strengthen the muscles in his mouth so that he could effectively feed. So after a few weeks, that paid off and he started latching really well and it made things a lot easier. But a week prior to the tongue tie revision is when I got a really bad case of mastitis. So if you guys don't know what mastitis is, it's when you have a clogged milk duct and it becomes infected. We had not started a sleep schedule yet, so we had just woken up from a nap, me and the baby. He would contact nap on my chest, and we woke up at like 7.30 from a nap. I felt really, really cold, but I was sweating, and I had these body aches, and my left breast was like super swollen and hot to the touch and just hard and really painful, it felt really painful. At this time, we were in the throes of COVID, so I was feeling all of these flu-like symptoms, and I just remember I started bawling my eyes out because I thought I had COVID, and I was freaking out because I didn't want to give it to the baby. I remember doing some reading about mastitis during my pregnancy, and when I put him to the breast to feed, because I just thought I was engorged, it hurt so bad. And I thought at first, okay, maybe it's, you know, 
the painful latch and it wasn't it was mastitis and I realized it because it was so hot to the touch and so I was crying because I was in so much pain and I called my mom my mom had to come to my house at eight o'clock at night and try and unclog my duct by like squeezing on my boob and it hurt so bad that I was screaming 100% worse than childbirth this is that pain that you would wish on your worst enemy it is that painful it was horrific I had to try and get in the shower to get it out and at the time I didn't realize that what was so painful was the infection at that point Um, so I called the midwives and she was with a laboring mom at the time so she said she was going to send a script over but I guess she forgot because I called back the next morning to see if the script was ready and the midwife was like oh I don't see anything here in your chart so they had to send it again I didn't get the antibiotics until later that night and I had like an 104 fever the whole time I was trying to take Tylenol and ibuprofen to get it down not to mention the amount of pain I was in due to the clogged duct Um, when I got the antibiotics it took like 24 to 48 hours to really subside and calm down but because I couldn't put cash on that side to feed because it was so painful I ended up almost completely losing my supply on that side even still to this day that's the slacker boob like I rarely feed him on that side because it's just never as full as the other side. And then it caused an oversupply on my right side. So my letdown became super forceful and Cash had gas all the time because of my super fast letdown. And I was always leaking everywhere and it just felt like, God, like why is breastfeeding so fucking hard? You know, like everybody tells you it should come naturally and it's just so easy and it wasn't it was the hardest thing that I did all year and I just remember crying so many times because it was like I should be able to feed my baby like what's wrong with me and then it stopped and I can't tell you when I can't tell you what day I can't tell you how many months ago but it just got easy overnight and now it's like the fucking breastfeeding Olympics over here. He's somersaulting, flipping upside down, taking my boob with him to the bathroom. He can feed anywhere, anytime, place. It's amazing. And we're here and we made it to one year breastfeeding. Are we going to stop? No, there's no end in sight. And for all you weirdos out there that think that that's weird, I'm here to remind you that the World Health Organization recommends breastfeeding up to two years and beyond and biologically the natural age of weaning is seven years old am i comfortable with my seven-year-old on my boob i don't think so but are there other women out there that are absolutely more power to them i don't know what the future holds so i guess we'll see but what i can tell you about the future is that there is no episode next week on Sunday because it's going to be a busy week and I want you guys to have the best side of me and the stressed side of me is not the best side of me so we will be back the week after next with a brand new episode for you guys as always thank you so much for listening I am going to leave you with a beautiful quote that I saw 
on Instagram the other day, which I thought was perfect for this episode. And it is a quote by Rajneesh. It says, the moment a child is born, the mother is also born. She never existed before. The woman existed, but the mother never. How beautiful and how true that is, you guys. Don't forget to give us a rate and a review on whichever platform you're listening from. And it also doesn't hurt to share on social media and click that subscribe button so you can get the notifications for each new episode every week. Thank you guys so much for the support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Oh, oh, oh.